Chapter 34 Hero Tales from History This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros Hero Tales from History by Smith Burnham, 1866-1947 Chapter 34 Nathan Hale, Who Spoke the Bravest Words in History Nathan Hale was a country boy, the sixth of ten children. When he was twelve, his mother died. It had been her wish that Nathan should study to be a minister. So the lad entered Yale College when he was only fourteen. Young as he was, Nathan became president of the debating society. He was a big, strong, handsome fellow, full of fun and fond of sports. He was best at what was known as the broad jump. For many years the hale jump made the record for the college. He was a strong swimmer and excelled in shooting at the mark. In going about the college grounds, Hale was often seen placing one hand on top of a six-foot fence and vaulting over it with ease. One of his chums has told how Nathan would stand in one hogshead with his hands on his hips and jump up out of that into the second hogshead, then in the same manner leap into the third hogshead and from there out on the ground, all without touching. His athletic feats were so wonderful that the boys used to boast of the things young Hale did for old Yale. When he was seventeen, the young athlete also showed himself such a ready and eloquent speaker that he was chosen for the highest honors of the debating society. One address of his is still kept in the records of Yale University. One of the questions he proposed and took part in debating was, is it right to enslave the Africans? Right after his graduation, at the age of eighteen, young Hale began to teach school and do tutoring besides, to pay his way while studying to be a minister. But early in 1775, when he had been teaching less than two years, the news of the first battles in the War for Independence fired the fervent soul of the young patriot and he joined the army. Nathan Hale was appointed lieutenant in a company sent by Connecticut, his native state, to become part of General Washington's army, which was trying to take the city of Boston, then in the hands of the British. The army then was without uniforms, proper arms, or training. During the summer, Lieutenant Hale turned twenty-one, and was promoted to the rank of captain. When the time for which the Connecticut men had enlisted was nearly up, the young captain was shocked and hurt to find that some of the men in his own company were not willing to serve a little longer. Here is a short signed entry he made in his camp book in November. 28. Tuesday promised the men if they would tarry another month they should have my wages for that time. Nathan Hale The youthful Connecticut officer and some of his men were among the few who stayed till the British were driven out of Boston by sea. 
after this the commander-in-chief foreseeing that new york must be the next point of attack for the british sent all his soldiers on ahead to that city in the first brigade to go was captain nathan hale with as many of his little company as he could command while officers like hale were recruiting new soldiers and drilling the raw recruits washington went to consult with the congress then in session at philadelphia during this visit he designed the first american flag and ordered it made it was the summer of the declaration of independence washington and his untrained troops less than fourteen thousand in number had to defend and hold new york city brooklyn and the surrounding country against an army nearly three times as large the british troops under general howe were well fitted out and trained and were aided by a fleet of warships commanded by the general's brother admiral lord howe the Howes and their regular soldiers thought it would be an easy matter for their army, numbering three to one of their enemies, to capture the American army and carry Washington and the other ringleaders of the rebellion back to England to be hanged for treason. When, late in August, Washington learned that Howe was landing his army on Long Island, from staten island he sent general putnam to meet and hold the british back as the british outnumbered putnam's army five to one this was impossible and the americans retreated to their defences this engagement was called the battle of long island at nightfall the british encamped around the cornered americans and the commander told his staff that they would take that nest of rebels in the morning a dense fog came in from the sea and washington under cover of it got as many boats together as his sailor soldiers could manage and they rowed away from long island in the silent watches of the night next morning when howe came to capture the nest the birds had flown Washington was now forced to fly with his army from place to place, and the danger of being captured was greater than before, so he needed to learn, if possible, what General Howe's plans were. Captain Nathan Hale was selected for this dangerous service. There were some people in the colonies who believed that Washington was a traitor and that his men were rebels. These people called themselves loyalists, but others called them Tories. Because of Nathan Hale's frank face and sincere manner, it was thought that he could make friends with these Tories and find out what was desired through them and their friends, the British officers. Also, he was an educated gentleman. He could take a position as tutor in the family of a rich Tory. British officers visited these loyalists and often discussed plans with them. Captain Hull, a college friend of Captain Hale's, was now an army comrade also. When he heard that Hale was chosen, he called to beg him not to go as a spy. He argued, Your nature is too frank and open for deceit and disguise. General Washington, nor any commander, has a right to ask you to assume the garb of friendship for the betrayal of others. Hale hesitated a moment at this, but
but when he spoke his voice was clear and firm i think i owe it to my country to do the thing which seems so important to general washington and i know of no other way of getting the desired information than by assuming a disguise and passing into the enemy's camp but urged his friend almost in despair think of the disgrace of it if you were caught you would be hanged as a criminal dear nathan i beg of you don't go nathan hale could not help being deeply moved he said gently he took upon himself the disguise of the men he came to live among for the good of many and the cause of the right he was arrested and hanged on a cross who am i that i should set up my judgment against his example and general washington's will still captain hull could not give up he has left on record his last attempt to persuade the young man whose love of country had become a religion i urged him for the love of country for the love of kindred to abandon an enterprise which would only end in the sacrifice of the dearest interests of both he paused then affectionately taking my hand he said i will reflect and do nothing but what duty demands he was absent from the army and i feared he had gone to the british lines to execute his fatal purpose naturally very little is known of the spy in the few weeks that followed sergeant hempstead has told of going with him to the point chosen for crossing on a waiting sloop to long island many miles from the british camp hempstead says hale was then dressed in a brown suit of citizen's clothes with a round broad-brimmed hat when the captain and the sergeant wrung each other's hands in farewell nathan hale gave into hempstead's care his private papers and letters and his shoe buckles the letters were to hale's aged father and to the girl whom he expected to marry at the end of several weeks nathan hale had succeeded in carrying out general washington's instructions even to making a number of sketches so far as he knew he had not been suspected this he thought was rather surprising for there were tories everywhere it was late in september in the dark of the moon when hale slipped away from the british on long island and strolled down to the water's edge where he was to meet the sloop and sail back to his own army he waited some time for the ship but it did not come after some delay a sailboat came in sight and made up to the shore he was greatly relieved for it did not occur to him that there was anything wrong as the boat drew near he hailed it with a happy shout when it was too late hale saw that some of the men in the boat were in british uniform in a moment more he was their prisoner he had been betrayed it was never known by whom he had a tory cousin who was blamed at first but his innocence was proven in time he was taken to general howe's headquarters the tell-tale sketches and data were found in his shoes he did not attempt to deny that he was a spy it was not necessary to try him after he confessed he was turned over to the provost-marshal 
to be hanged next day. Of course, no one knows what Nathan Hale thought that last night, but it may well be believed that he did not waste his last hours in despairing regrets. If he was permitted to write farewell letters that night, they were never delivered. In the morning Hale asked if he might speak with a minister, but that was curtly denied him. "'Will you lend me a Bible a moment, then?' was his dying request. "'No,' snapped the marshal. A kind-hearted British officer, who noticed the pure, honest face of the young American spy, offered him shelter from the sun in his tent during a brief delay. The heart of this enemy captain was touched, and it was he who preserved Nathan Hale's noble words for future ages. If the young spy could have known that his death would strengthen the hearts of patriots to fight for liberty, and that what he was about to say would go resounding down the ages, it would have added to his joy that hot September day. A poet has described the moment when they came and led him out. To drumbeat and heartbeat a soldier marches by. There is color in his cheek. There is courage in his eye. Yet to drumbeat and heartbeat in a moment he must die. They led him to an apple tree near at hand. While they were fastening his arms behind him and tying a rope around his ankles, he gazed up into the tree. On his handsome face rested the resigned expression which is shown in the bronze and marble statues of Nathan Hale in the Yale yard where he used to play and in the park before City Hall in New York. "'Well, have you any confession to make?' asked the marshal. This called Nathan Hale's mind back. He smiled at the needless question, for he had confessed the night before, and had thus made a trial unnecessary. Hesitating only a moment, he answered the officer with simple courtesy, in the bravest words ever uttered by mortal man, I only regret that I have but one life to lose for my country. End of chapter 34